This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, you know it's Taz and Moose. You know it's Taz and Moose. Hey. All right, coming to you live from the Rocky Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. Who understands that it's not just a mortgage, it's your mortgage. That's the difference. Rocket Mortgage. Push button, get mortgage. Taz with a well-deserved Friday morning off. Mark Malusis flying solo. Mike Pete across the way. Heller with your updates, 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Attention, hotline fans. Thank you, Mean Gene. We'll get back to your calls and such uh, in a little bit, but let's welcome aboard right now uh, Adam Fisher, SNY MLB analyst and contributor, longtime executive uh, with the Mets and the Braves in Major League Baseball, even though he's a very, very young man, very spry, uh, living out there in Brooklyn, New York. What's going on, F. Fish? How you doing this morning, bud? Uh Thank you for that, Moose. I appreciate it. Yes. Couldn't help but laugh on that. Uh, I'm I'm good on this uh, post winter meetings Friday morning. Yeah, I, I guess what from your perspective, Adam, what, what's the big takeaway? Uh, you know, it, a, lot, a lot more activity. You know, it's good to be Scott Boris uh, with with what the contracts he was able to get for a lot of his big name clients. But what's your big takeaway from what we uh, witnessed over three and a half days out there in San Diego? I think it just shows you what a big difference a handful of clubs can make. You know, when you're talking about activity on the free agent market, we heard a lot over the last year about collusion and, you know, this, these, these concepts that, that uh, well, I mean, I, at this point it looks like it, it, was, it was pretty exaggerated. Um, it really just, it was a lot of teams, a perfect storm of a lot of teams deciding to sit it out and not necessarily be competitive. And then you had a couple of contenders, the Yankees included, that were being fiscally responsible and weren't able to kind of juice the market. And, you know, you have, you have a situation where you got three or four non-contenders that are now deciding to bid on free agents. You have a, a good crew of free agents, as you, note, as you noted, Moose. Uh, Scott Boris had three, you know, I might want to call totally top-of-the-market uh, free agents, and um, the big guys decided to bid. You had the Dodgers involved. You had the, yeah, you know, of course, had the Yankees involved, and and um, you know the Rangers, that kind of non-contender, getting back into it, and the Angels, and you know that that seems to be enough to to really get things going. You know, Adam, when you look at the three big deals, Ren, I, I know they're different. Two starters: Strasburg, Rendon, and Cole. Um, as a former executive, and you know baseball better than anybody. Which one of those three deals are you most comfortable with? I think, you know, the, the layup answer, I think, I think on that one, Moose, is, is Rendon, only in the sense that we know that pitching is just, is just uh, it's very iffy as far as injuries go. I mean, if, if, if Garrett Cole comes off the mound grabbing his arm next year, then that's the, maybe the worst contract in, in baseball history, you know? I mean, so uh, that is an issue when you're talking about giving pitchers this type of commitment. That being said, I totally understand where the Yankees are coming from. They need that guy to get them over the top. They can, that's an organization that can afford to make even a massive mistake. I mean, they, they've been able to, to 
uh, sort of dodged the, the Giancarlo Stanton situation over these last couple of years. So uh, there's a little less risk with Cole with them because they're, they're able to take that kind of thing on. Um, but to get back to your question, the position player, Rendon, I mean, he, he's, uh, you know, perhaps uh, among the top five position players in baseball. Uh, and uh, I think he got to feel pretty good about the turn. Seven years is, is really long, obviously, but compared to, say, a, a nine years for Cole. Um, so, anyway, for me, the position player, Rendon, um, pretty easy answer. Yeah, no, but it, 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 you know, but someone was asking me, you know, with and certainly, you know, now you've got Matt in the dugout, you right? You've got the best player yeah. in the world at baseball and Trout in the outfield, and you know, he's he's already had a you know a historic career, and he's still a, a very young player. Um, how much better are the Angels by just adding Rendon? I mean, they're 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 a lot a couple well a couple wins better, I would say, um, well more than a couple, of, but but. They're a lot better, but they're still a really flawed team. I mean, they don't have a very good pitching staff. They don't. Um, they don't have a good bullpen. They've got they've got holes along the diamond. So this is going to make them a lot better. But they have more work to do, and they they don't. I mean, they were okay last year, but they they don't strike me as anyone any a team that scares anybody. Despite having, you know, like I said, maybe two of the best five best position players in baseball. That that doesn't. You got a twenty five man roster. They they need a lot more than that. All right, when you look at it, there's still two big starters that are out there. Fit. I mean, there's a number of guys. But when you look at, you right. know, uh, Bumgarner and Ryu, uh, of those two guys, if you're a team that's looking for, a you know, a top two starter in your rotation, which one of those two guys would you be more comfortable investing in? Gee, that's a, that's a tough one. I don't really necessarily see either of those guys as that, that type of guy necessarily right now. Um or say, oh, which guy, if you if yeah. I'm if I'm no, the no. Angels, I need a starter. You know, I'm yep. the, you know if if I'm looking there, I didn't I fell short on Garrett Cole. I'm looking for a starter for that for them yep. for argument's sake, right? We could debate yep, in terms fair. of the quality of the starter. Which guy would you be more interested in investing in? I think I'm going with. It's tough from the standpoint. Of, I'm thinking about it from a durability standpoint. I think okay. they're both good. Ryu's got has a better recent track record. But he's had injury issues, and we know that, that his arm um, could be an issue. That being said, we, we also know there's a ton of mileage on Madison Bumgarner's, uh, Bumgarner's tires there, that, that arm as well. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the dirt. But he's, that being said, he's been extremely durable for the most part. So um, I'm going to go with Bumgarner. Uh, you got to see how the price comes in, and you've got Bumgarner talking $100 million, which, again, shows you most this perfect storm of the offseason, you know. I mean, it, it's it's a complete complete 180 from last year. Um, I'm not sure what Bumgarner would have gotten last year. Maybe he'll, like, he'd be looking maybe at a Keuchel situation. Well, probably not. But that but it, that shows you how night and day it is. Um, but uh, backing up here, Moose, I think I would think about the dollars as well. If it is going to be 100 million and Ryu is that much lower, then maybe you throw the durability out there because I don't see a huge difference between the two of them outside of. When you get into that postseason, that's when you want Bumgarner. Fish, are you a Keiko guy who's also a free agent out there? I'm a, I'm not a huge fan of Dallas Keiko. Just I mean, I I wouldn't have signed him last offseason. I I felt comfortable with the sentiment among major league executives that he's on the decline. Um, you know, the stuff doesn't wasn't wasn't up to snuff the year before he hit free agency. But he was pretty solid last year. I think you know you're looking at like a three or four type guy. 
And if I was the Mets, that would have been a guy that I would have been really interested in. I, I do like him quite a bit more than Rick Porcello. We're talking to Adam Fisher, uh, SNY baseball uh, contributor, uh, does a great job there, a former executive with the Mets and the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, as we move away from free agency and look at the trade market here, um, quickly, a couple of big names that are potentially out there. Let's start in Milwaukee with Hayter. Uh, you know, he's in his mid-20s. He's been used a lot the past couple of years. Statistically speaking, not as dominant in 19 as he was in 18, but was used, you know, multiple innings. We know his velocity is there. The fastball is electric. And, you know, there were reports a couple weeks ago that he was available. There's some reports now that the Yankees are talking to the Brewers and are pursuing Josh Hader. If you were the Brewers, and I know, you know, they are not a a big market team, and sometimes they've got to kind of take a step back to take a couple steps forward. What would it take to to trade for a Josh Hader, number one? Number two, if you're Milwaukee, are you better with Hader than what you'd get back in a trade? I think it really depends on where – if Milwaukee's going to trade Josh Hader, they're really going to have to get blown away. He's got four more years of control. He is arbitration eligible. So you're talking about at least one top prospect in the game, top 50. Um, and if they do trade Josh Hader, then they can certainly survive in their bullpen. They'll have to replace him kind of in a piecemeal way. But it really – they're probably better off as an organization. You know how – I mean – it's just they have to make tough decisions when you're the Brewers and you're looking at your payroll and you're looking at your at your success cycle and how are you going to make this happen? And they're thinking, okay, we can capitalize on this reliever and set ourselves up, our farm system, for the next couple of years. They used to have a very highly rated farm system, but, but those prospects have been used. They've been traded or they've been promoted, and it's not quite the same. So you can see from the Brewers' standpoint why, why they'd at least think about it uh, the other thing that makes it risky, you mentioned it, Moose, um, he's just been used a ton. And that's part of the reason why the Brewers are, are thinking about it as well. You know, he's, he's pitched so much the last two years. When is that sort of bubble going to burst? You know, he doesn't have a great delivery. It's violent. Um, there's a lot of torque on his arm. So he would be scaring me if I was I, – I would have – I mean, to be honest with you, I'd have zero interest in Josh Hader for trading for him, that is. I mean, if he's out there and you want to you want to sign him for for just dollars um, and take a risk that way, I'm totally good with that. But but I wouldn't want to be giving up top guys for for uh, for a reliever that that has that much tread on his tires these last these last two years, no matter how good he is. And, and that's that's part of the reason why the Brewers are thinking about it. All right, how about to Chicago and they and you know Theo and the guys out there with the Cubs seem to have a little bit of a different mindset. You know they they got rid of Addison Russell and now for a lot of different reasons, poor play, but certainly right. has had issues away from the baseball diamond as well. Um, it seems like that window for the Cubs has kind of closed a little bit. Uh, different manager now. We know the the Madden uh, relationship did not end well. Reports out of Chicago that they might pair off Chris Bryant. Right, you look at the third base market. You've still got Donaldson out there. Uh, we know Rendon is an angel. How about if you were running that Cub team and you look at a, a player that's as good as Chris Bryant offensively and defensively at third base? I mean, number one, would that be a guy that you'd be looking to pair off, Adam? Number two is, what would it take to get Chris Bryant from the Cubs? Well, I mean, that I never thought you'd be seeing them them looking to move uh, Chris Bryant. Uh, you know, but the reality is the situation he does have Scott Boris as his agent. We've got this grieve they've got this grievance going on with his service time. Uh if if everyone remembers he, he was sent down to the minors 
uh, early in his career. Well, when he, before he made it to the majors, it looked like he was ready, uh, ready to break camp, and he was sent down to the minors to, to pretend, well, at least being accused of manipulating his service time. He got a lot of attention. Right now they're deciding whether he, he has one or two years left uh, before he becomes a free agent, which is a huge thing about what he's worth, right, Moose? I mean, sure, no doubt. That, that year is, is massive. Um, it sounds like it, it, they followed the, the rules. I mean, the rules are what they are. And, you know, unless, unless there's some type of smoking gun out there that says, hey, he should be in the major, he should have been in the majors when we sent him down, um, they're probably going to win that grievance. So he's got two years of control. Uh, so the question is, from the Cubs' standpoint, how much does that year matter in terms of what they're getting back? And I don't think there's a huge difference. You're still going to be getting a, a major haul for Chris Bryant. When you're talking about one top prospect for Josh Hader, you're probably talking about at least two for Chris Bryant, a position player. He does have two fewer years of c- control, but uh, played at an extremely high level last year. And the other thing with the Cubs, you know, you mentioned it, uh, Rendon's off the board. You've got Donaldson out there, but you have a couple of teams that are that are desperate for a third baseman. The Rangers were one, and of course, the Nationals, having lost Rendon, uh, if they miss out on Donaldson, then you know they could be they could be pretty heavy for Chris Bryant. So that is is for me what, what could be really interesting to watch. Uh, where does Donaldson go? And the teams that lose out on Donaldson are the Cubs able to leverage? that sort of level of desperation and get just a monster package for Chris Bryan. I think that's what the Cubs will be looking at. And if they can't do that, then perhaps they walk away and look at it at the trading deadline or they go, they go at this again next off season. All right, Adam, how about up to Boston? And, you know, their, you know, their, um, you know, their new general manager, High Bloom is basically, and they want to cut and slash payroll. We know that uh, before the season even ended, there were reports in Beantown that they might try and move Mookie bets. I mean, which is amazing. I mean, Adam, you know, you've been around the game a long time. I've been, you know, watched the game, you know, been a fan my whole life. You know, Mookie Betts screams lifetime Red Sox. I mean, that. I mean, when you have a player of that caliber, the idea that you know, the Boston Red Sox, a big market team, you know, based on some of the misjudgments and, and contracts that they've handed out, have to potentially pair him off and trade him uh, because they can't afford him. I mean, it's stunningly enough, but... I mean, I would imagine if, you know, if they really decide as an organization to move on from Mookie Betts, I mean, you're looking at a top five player in the sport, no? You would think so, Moose. I mean, and, and I totally agree with your sentiment. I mean, the Red Sox should be able to afford just – it's similar to, the, to Bryant with the Cubs, you know, but, but in this case he's even more of a signature player. And, yes, the Red Sox has handed out some, some strange whopper-type contracts, Carl Crawford being one. I mean, how is – how is I mean, you got different management over the years, um, but but the Red Sox have historically over the last twenty years been open to spending what they need to spend to compete. So yeah, it is a head scratcher. I think one of the issues, Moose, with Mookie Betts and why more than likely, for me at least, he stays with the Red Sox maybe till the trading deadline is just one year left of control and an extremely high salary, uh, likely arbitration record if I'm if I'm correct. Um, something approaching $30 million, uh, for this year. So when you factor in the level of control and the dollars, um, you know, that, that's even though it's Mookie Betts, you're not quite going to get the same bang for your buck in terms of trade. And I think that, for me, is more, why more likely he's the guy who could stay put. Don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, we've heard his name out there. 
you know, for the last however six months or so. So certainly he could go, but but you know, it seems to me that the that 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 combination is going to make it hard for the Red Sox to get. Yes, Mookie Betts on an island is worth more than a top five prospect in the sport, um, but but those other factors are going to make it tough to to move him and get the right deal. And the thing with Mookie and the Red Sox, it just sounds like he wants to explore the market. You know, they've approached him, and uh, he, he's just not looking looking to stay put right now in Boston, and he wants to see what else is out there. So um, that's, I guess, the reality is, Moose, that's another factor. That's fair. You know, he doesn't, yeah. he doesn't no. want to sign with the Red Sox, right? Is he going to want to sign with the Rangers? You know, I, I don't think it's necessarily – it sounds that he just wants to see sort of what the best fit for him is um, and, and talk to teams. Yeah, so, and, some, and sometimes we'll guys just want to test free agency and see exactly what their worth is and be able to go through that process when they're in the prime of their career, which uh, maybe, you know, a Mookie Betts will do. Uh, and we're not, uh, yeah. you know, with a year left uh, of control for the Red Sox, right? Yeah, I mean, that's that's what it sounds like to me. Uh, could he re-sign with the Red Sox? I, I, I guess that's possible, you know, after he explores the market. But he just wants to see what he's worth and, and – uh, and, you know, see what the best fit is, what what city is the best fit for him is, is what it sounds like. You know, Adam, out to Los Angeles and the Dodgers, and we're talking to Adam Fisher, SNY, uh, baseball analyst. Um, you know, the Dodger fan has got to be a little chagrined. Uh, you know, a disastrous way that they lost in the playoffs and, and uh, you know, with Kershaw giving up the back-to-back home runs, uh, they fall short of making the World Series. They've had dominant regular seasons. They lost two straight World Series the two previous years to the Strohs and the Red Sox, respectively. Are you surprised the Dodgers? Now, I know they added Blake Trinan, and you know they're in on Batances, and they've been in on these guys, but are, are you surprised the Dodgers have not been able to close out one of these deals and been more aggressive coming off what, is, uh, what has been a, what was a really disappointing postseason? You know, not, not not necessarily, Moose, just because, you know, Andrew Friedman, coming from Tampa, his philosophy is similar to what Brian Cashman has been preaching with the Yankees these last couple of years. And I know the Yankees broke that trend, and the Dodgers have had a very much a sort of very close and get-your-heart-ripped-out type disappointment uh, that the Yankees have had. But I feel like it's even harder to break that type of discipline when you've been doing it for so long, um, like him in Tampa Bay and then moving over to the Dodgers. And it does sound, he, he had a great quote, which was, you know, if you're going to be responsible in free agency, you're always going to finish third. You know, and I think that's a great quote from him. And, you know, I think that they're, they're improving sort of, well, not improving is not the right word, but they're, they're changing their mindset a little bit and they're becoming more aggressive, but not quite aggressive enough to close the deal on some of these guys. And I think if they really want Bumgarner, it sounds like that's that's a real possibility. I know he's not the level um, of these types of free agents, but the Dodgers are super creative. They've got a really, really good team. They need their guys to show up and hit in the postseason, you know, when they get into, <laughs> when they get into those situations. Um, I don't think you want to panic. In the Yankees' case, you could see that there was just one player that could really make a difference. I mean, look, we, you and I talked about it all the way in, through the playoffs. Um you know, Garrett Cole is a huge X factor for the Yankees. I'm not sure that that X factor necessarily exists for the Dodgers. They got an outstanding. They they're they're a very well rounded team that has had some playoff failures. If if the playoffs are quote a crapshoot, like Billy Bean said, the Dodgers are the best example of that. So I understand why they're feeling the pressure. 
But, you know, if I'm, I was sitting in that, in that Dodgers front office, I, I like the approach they're taking. There's really no reason to panic. They still have one of the best and most well-rounded teams in the sport. Adam Fisher, SNY, uh, exec, former executive with the Braves and, uh, and the Mets, and, and he'll be executive back in baseball real soon as well. Uh, good baseball man, good baseball mind, and, and he gets it. Hey, Fish, thanks for the time this morning. Uh, have a great Friday and have a great weekend, all right? All right, thank you, Moose. I appreciate it. Thanks for the time. You too. You got it. Um, and giving you a good feel, run around the league a little bit as uh, the winter meetings came and went. Rule 5 draft was yesterday morning. Uh, as uh, all the agents and the players and executives uh, left beautiful San Diego. We'll come back. We'll talk a little NFL, talk a little football. Gus Farratt, former quarterback for my skins a long, long time ago at that famous concussion. We won't get into that. He's got a podcast out there. We'll talk a little football and see what's going on with his life and uh, see what he thinks about what's going on in the National Football League. Gus Farratt will join me next. It's Tass of the Moose. Mark Malus is flying solo on this Friday morning right here, CBS Sports Radio. It's Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. Taz and the Moose, Mark Malusis with you. Let's welcome aboard right now Gus Farratt, uh, longtime NFL quarterback. And he's got a new uh, podcast out, host of Huddle Up with Gus, radio.com. He joins us now. Hey, Gus, Mark Malusis with you. Uh, thanks for a couple minutes this morning, Gus. Yeah, no, hey, no, do I call you Mark or Moose? I like Moose way better. Yeah, you can call me Moose. Uh, you know, my, my wife calls me a pain in the ass, so whatever yeah. you'd like to call me, Gus. <laughs> I guess that goes for every guy that's married, right? Yeah, what's that? I guess that goes for every guy that's married. I, I think you're right. Uh, everyone's got <laughs> It depends on what your definition of terms of endearment are, right, Gus? <laughs> right, exactly. exactly. Uh, but, Gus, I appreciate it. Fan of your game when you were a player, certainly. You know, and, and you. there's a lot to get into. Let, let's start with because I grew up a Skins fan, Gus. You know, I'm, I grew up in the Northeast. I grew up just outside New York City. My whole family are Giant fans, became a Skins fan because of John Riggins. You know, loved watching you in the style and fashion which you played when you were the Skins quarterback. What about the state of where that franchise is right now? I'm sure you get asked it a lot. Want to get your thoughts in terms of when, you know, I remember the glory days of the Skins, you know, when they were a relevant football team, an irrelevant organization. It's been a while here. What about where this franchise is right now, what they need to do moving forward? Well, you know, one of the things I noticed that that is kind of crazy, a lot of the Skins fans are leaving and going to watch the Ravens, which is kind of, um, you know, makes my skin crawl a little bit, but uh, being a re- an old Redskin, and, uh, you know, I know there's a lot of guys that, that played for the Skins, and they're frustrated with what's going on, because, as you said, the Skins have been at the top of the league for a long, long time, and uh, one of the teams that everybody fell in love with, and, and it just hasn't been that way um, in, in, in quite a few years, and so I'm hoping that they can make some changes, they can do some, do some uh, things in the in the front office that, that get people excited and back in the seats of, of the skins. I think Dwayne Haskins is going to be a pretty good player. Um, and I think they got, they got a good quarterback there. Now they got to put a good coach with him to, to fit his style. And, uh, you know, they just got to get back on top. Uh, there's a lot of guys that are frustrated, a lot of fans that are frustrated. I mean, I got married in Maui, and I had people waving Redskin towels uh, over in Maui when I got married in 1995. So, uh, you know, there are fans out there. They want to come back and get in those seats. Oh, they certainly do. How great is Hawaii, by the way? We went. My wife and I went to our, on our honeymoon 18 days in Hawaii. You got married in Hawaii. How, Hawaii is the 
as, as picture us as a spot to go and vacation, visit. You want to live there? I mean, Hawaii is amazing, Gus. Uh, it was it was so much fun. I actually did a Super Bowl party there. My best man was John Freeze, who was a, another Skins quarterback. Yeah. And we went over there. My wife and I got away from all the, the craziness of, the, of a normal wedding, and, and we went over there and got married on the beach at sunset. It was it was amazing. Got to play golf every day and, and go to the beach. And Hawaii is just a, a beautiful, beautiful place. It's hard to get to from here, but uh, it was so much fun. It really was. You know, we, we opened up the show this morning, Gus, talking about Lamar Jackson, clearly the runaway favorite right now to be the MVP of the league. Five touchdowns last night. The Ravens were a heavy favorite against the Jets, and they took care of business very, very easily. What's impressed you about what – I mean, there's so much to, to lean on, but, you know, having played the position – Watching where he was a year ago, where he is this year, what's impressed you about what Lamar Jackson's been able to do at the quarterback spot for the Ravens? Well, I think the coaches are, are really playing to his uh, benefit, right? They're giving things, that, giving him things that he likes to do, that he fits in well with, that he feels good about. And the most impressive thing is when you make people in the NFL look slow, you know you're darn good. I mean, this kid is just an amazing athlete. Uh, you know, he escapes from the pocket, and you're just – I'm sure everybody's sitting on their edge of the seat saying, okay, what's he going to do next? Uh, he can take some hits. He's a bigger bigger kid. Uh, you know, so a lot of the running quarterbacks that you see out there that, that you're nervous about getting injured, I don't see that happening with them. Now, anything can happen in a game, but, you know, he's putting the ball in the money when he needs to be. He throws the ball in different positions, and, and I think he's just calming down a little bit and, and filling himself and just kind of getting used to the NFL. Now you watch him play with a lot of confidence and having a lot of fun. I think that goes a long way when you can have a lot of fun and and really go out and show your skills off. You know, Gus, do you think they should be – they are the betting favorite right now to win the Super Bowl. Do you think the Ravens should be the betting favorite? Uh, they're right up there. I would put, you know, you never count the Patriots out. But, uh, you know, they're just not up at their game on offense. Uh, you know, I, I see the Ravens beating them. I, I also – I like San Francisco, too, and you can never count Russell Wilson and the Seahawks out. I think there's some really good teams out there that anything can happen on any, any uh, you know, weekend in the NFL. And you always see a ball can get tipped at the line of scrimmage, an interception run back, uh, whatever can happen, fumbles. But uh, you're right, the Ravens are probably right at the top, and everybody's got to knock them off. Um, you know, if you had an opportunity to jump back into a huddle, you ran through a number of teams there uh, that you think have got an opportunity. You put Baltimore as one of those teams that can potentially win a Super Bowl here, Gus. But but watching this league, knowing this league the way that you do, if if you could if you could jettison, hop in and be a quarterback of one of those teams at the up, which team would you want to be the quarterback of right now? You know, I, I just I, I love what Kyle Shanahan is doing out in San Francisco. Uh, a good friend of mine, Wes Welker, is their receivers coach. Uh, they're just they're just putting some good players out there. They're playing great defense, uh, you know. And Jimmy Garoppolo is playing a high level. You know, you go into that system. I played for Kyle's dad at Denver uh, for Mike Shanahan, and and that's a great system. And and you get to learn it. And they learn what Jimmy's strengths are. They call the plays that fit him. And uh, you know, when you get some playmakers around you. That'd be a heck of a, a lot of fun to play in that offense. Yeah, are you uh, your good friends as well? Are you into the the thoroughbred game like Wes's or no? No, no, no. I'm not. Are you into buying, that are game you buying like horses and 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 run them all over the place or no, Gus? No, no, I, I don't. I don't. I'm not into that game. Even though there are a lot of guys in the NFL and and a lot of my friends in the NHL or they do that do that kind of thing. I just never got into it. it wasn't a 
was never a horse guy. Yeah, no, I know. And Wes has had a lot of success. He's 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 won some money as well as he's made a perfectly known derby day out there at Churchill Downs. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> he likes he likes giving it away as he's walking down the with a handful of cash in his in his in you know I mean just a big wad and saying look how much I want I'm going to give you some I'm going to give you some yeah. so it was a lot of fun. You know, uh, Gus, I'm curious. You know, when you if you you look at some of these young quarterbacks in the league, right? Mayfield, uh, Sam Darnold. We talked about extolled the virtues of, of Lamar Jackson earlier in the interview. You know, for you know, we're going to see Joe Burrow in all likelihood win the Heisman Trophy and maybe be the number one overall pick by the Bengals come April in the NFL draft. You know, what advice would you give for young quarterbacks trying to kind of gain a foothold, success, learn as they go, the speed of the game? You know, having been through it, watching these guys, the high expectations early on in their career, what would your advice be for young quarterbacks entering the league? Um, to just get in the film room, watch a lot of film, uh, understand, learn defenses, not only defensive, but defensive coordinators that you're going to come up against. And then it's, I think it, a lot of it goes on the coaches. Like, for me, I feel like Baker Mayfield uh, was put in some bad positions this year, like always in the shotgun, making a lot of reads, you're in four and five wides, and, and you got to Teams blitz, and it's hard to pick them up, and you can't see everything. And I just go back to my days with North Turner and thinking about, you know, eye formation. Uh, we got a fullback in there. We're throwing big passes down the field because we got great protection. Uh, I think some of those things that let the quarterback get their feet wet, it's, it's hard to be in shotgun, and, and you can get a blitz from both sides. Uh, you know, I just tell quarterbacks now you got to understand who, who the offensive coordinator is, what he likes to call, but that offensive coordinator also uh, – has to understand what your limitations is or what your strengths are and hopefully play to your strengths. Do you think the league has been, uh, you know, opened up offensively too much here, Gus, to what, you know, you mentioned it's a different league now. I mean, everything's wide open. You can't do much as a defensive back, you know, against wide receivers. We've seen that adjustment over the years. Do you think it's almost too wide open right now? Well, I think with the, you know, the new rules that have come in, uh, you know, all the – Defensive pass interference calls. Uh, you can't hit the quarterback like you used to. Uh, let the game open up a lot more. But, I, you know, I still love teams. Like when you watch a, uh, 49ers, yeah, they'll get into some shotgun, but they run the ball, you know, just like the Ravens. They run the ball. I don't know how many um, yards that uh, Lamar threw for last night, but it wasn't that many compared to a lot of other teams. But he threw five touchdowns, you know, because those safeties and those people have to come up. You have to play one-on-one outside. And when you've got a great run game, it's not, I'm not saying you have to get 200 yards rushing every game, but you've got to have a formidable run game so that opens up those pass lanes, and, and we're seeing that with the really good teams that are out there. Uh, Gus, tell us a little bit about the, uh, the podcast that you got going. Uh, Huddle Up with Gus. You're doing it with Dave Hager, Radio.com. Uh, you know, it's a little bit of a different vibe and a feel, right? I mean, it's not just breaking down football, but you're talking about, you know, what kind of sports taught you over your life, right? Yeah, you know, it, it really gets into with our guests about how sports have shaped their life. And we go back to the beginning. Uh, I just had Morton Anderson on this week, and we go back to when Morton grew up. You know, he, he's the Great Dane. He grew up overseas and came over to Michigan State and talked about the first sports experience he had. He got a pair of red Patrick's, and he slept with them, and he went out and played soccer the next day. And then, you know, he, it's just a great story. We do that from everyone. It doesn't matter if, if you're a former professional athlete, if you're a doctor, if you're an attorney, if, you know, if you're um, anybody. We bring you on. We talk about how sports shaped your life. Uh, you know, a good friend of mine, Kevin Rabbit, who's the CEO of NEP, 
he played basketball his whole life. He's a great basketball player, but now he runs a major company. But he talks about how playing basketball, working with great people, with great coaches, really formed his attitude to become a great leader for a big company. And so anything we do in life, we all have a story to tell. A lot of times it's just, hey, I went out and played wiffle ball every day and, you know, to see if I could hit that curve. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, we all have a story to tell from – from sportscasters to professional athletes to everyone, um, go to Huddle Up and you can hear all these great stories. And we really dig into what caused people to get to where they are today. Well, Gus, let me let me fire this one at you. Then you know, you know, you accomplished a lot as an athlete. Um, you know, football gave you a lot, provided you a lot as well. You earned it all. Uh, you know, you could play the game and, and you worked your rear end off. You know, I've got three young boys at home, a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a, a, now a three-year-old, my youngest, and, and Gregory. You know, they like to be active. They're sports, you know, at, at you know, the s- smaller levels. But, you know, for, for parents out there, what did sports teach you? What do you, what do you, what do you, what do you, you know, and you don't even have to play at the highest levels, but what do you think, what, do you, what did you take away from sports in terms of helping you throughout your life? And I'll, I'll tell you this, that every guest that I've had on, including myself, we all talk about when we were kids, we went outside and played every day. We went outside. There were no referees. There were no parents. There were no coaches. You, you had to get up off the ground. You had to, you had to pick yourself up. You, sometimes you were picked last. Sometimes you were picked first. And sports just taught you so much how to, how, how to pull yourself up off the ground, how to be tough, how to go through winning and losing without it being all over the Internet. And I think there's so many things that, that you learn from a kid uh, being with people your age and not having a lot of the influence. We know that now kids aren't leaving the house. Kids uh, are on video games. And it's not like when we grew up, when you had a backyard and there were 20 kids in there waiting to play football or baseball or basketball or whatever it was. And I think that teaches you a lot. And that was for me. My dad and I would go out in my backyard, and we'd throw baseball every day. Or we'd throw football. Uh, He'd come home from work. He was a mill guy here in Pittsburgh. And I can't tell you how many times I threw the ball over his head and had to go chase it in the woods and, and get it back in the yard because we only had one baseball growing up or we only had one football. And you just learned to play. And I think it just teaches you so much when you can go out and learn games on your own. Um, everything is scheduled now. Everything is, is a different world, yes. But when you can get kids out and go play, go play with each other, I think it teaches you so much about how to manage situations, how to socialize and just how to become a better athlete. I, I think you're dead on correct. I agree with you. I think I, I, think I, I miss those days, Gus. I, I remember waking up, you know, 9, 10 o'clock on a summer morning, you know, whatever it might be, uh, you know, hopping on the dirt bike, you know, riding a couple miles to my buddy's house. We'd all get together there, head over to the baseball field or head over to a, a field, go play tackle football, go play basketball, and come back at 4 or 5 o'clock at night. I mean, so you'd be gone all day playing and, and hanging out and playing sports and playing with you. I mean, those were good days. They really wasn't sitting in front of a gaming system and playing video games all day. Yeah, and you just used whatever you had. You know, we go to one buddy's house. If the uh, day before, you know, the other guy who had the basketball – you know, hey, we're going to go to another buddy's house. He had a baseball and a bat. We'd go play uh, home run derby or whatever it was, and we just taught ourselves how to swing. You know, every Steeler game, I remember growing up, before the Steeler game, we'd go play at 11 o'clock and be done by 1, so we'd come back and watch the Steelers play. Uh, you know, that's just how it was, and, and just it just taught you so much more than just going out and playing some, you know, uh, you got to go be with a coach at 9 o'clock in the morning. We, you just went out with your buddies, and you did it. I still played all the other sports, Little League and, and Senior Little League and, and um, you know, youth football and everything. And 
but just those times with your friends, you learn how to socialize, you learn how to um, kind of, when it, when there gets an argument, you settle it. And, uh, you know, it was over and you moved on. Huddle up with Gus. Check it out, radio.com. If you don't have the app, download it. It's fantastic. It's a great podcast, Gus and, and Dave Hager. Hey, uh, Gus, we really appreciate the time this morning. A pleasure to chat with you. Happy holidays to you and your family, and have a great weekend, all right? All right, you too, Moose. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you got it. Good podcast. Check it out. Um, and Gus was a very good player. He was tough, too. Really tough. I mean, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania tough. Sunday, the NFL on CBS features a key AFC South showdown between Deshaun Watson and the Texans taking on the Titans, while others will see KC hosting Denver, plus other regional action. It all begins with JB and the guys setting up the day on the NFL today at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, only on CBS. We'll come back. We're going to head to Disney. That is right. We are heading to Disney World. We are going to get an Andrew Bogish update. That comes your way next. Taz Moose, Melusis Flying Solo, CBS Sports Radio. It's Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. It's Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. All right, CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line is brought to you by Geico. Great news. There's a quick way you can save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on your car insurance. Time right now to answer our Ask the Pros question of the day, brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Today's question is from John down in Baltimore. Who does Bawami like this weekend? Individuals, it is I, the great Buwami, here with another great pick Legend. for your pleasure. I'm taking the Packers minus four over the Bears. Easy win, as you must. There you go. December, Lambeau Field, cold weather. Buwami is on the Packers laying the four against the Bears. Thank you, Buwami. Don't forget, you can submit a question by going to cpsportsradio.com slash pros. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all your car care needs. Get guaranteed low prices. Excellent customer service at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every single day. He's kind enough. He's on vacation. Kind enough to give us a couple minutes. He's up early. He's got young kids. Him and his wife. Disney World, they're down in Orlando. A little December getaway. Uh, This was a Brad Heller idea earlier in the week. Wanted to get an update on what Bogish is doing. We followed him on on social media. Beautiful Instagram posts, Andrew. Good morning. How are you doing, brother? Moose, I'm nice enough to come on, and you make me follow Bawami. Yes, yes. One legend (laughs) to another. Good morning to me, huh? (laughs) Now, here's here's the question going on. Number one, are you guys enjoying your time down in Disney? Yes, of course. It is uh, nobody. Nobody does it like Disney. I mean, it's just, it's been an amazing couple of days. All right, what's the best ride that you've gone on that you enjoyed the most? I'm talking about not a kid ride because those are always right. special. But what's the best bogus ride that you enjoyed the most? Well, the the new, well, relatively new Seven Dwarves ride, Mine Train's pretty good uh, in Magic Magic Kingdom. But my favorite it used to be called Runaway Train. Now it's called Big Thunder Mountain. Uh, that's been the coolest one so far. That, that's a good one. Now, the other thing we have, because Heller was asking, and Brad, say hello to your buddy. <laughs> hello, Andrew. Mr. Bogus. Oh, hey, hey, Brad. I've had plenty of dessert. Don't worry about hey, it, Hey, buddy. I can't wait to hear all about it. Um, <laughs> we want to know if you've been hanging with Zach Martin, who is also on a family vacation down in Disney. You and Zach are very tight here at the CBS Sports Radio studios. <laughs> to attack Ovalua. And we want to know if you and Zach are spending time down in Disney together. You know, it's funny. Uh, I had not seen Zach face-to-face. I was trying to figure out a way to, to somehow avoid him. 
Uh, and he did. I got here Tuesday. He, his family came down Wednesday, and there were rapid-fire texts from Zach in a hurry Wednesday, which was scaring me a little bit. But we had a quick little chat. Where are you? How'd you how was your flight? Having fun? And then haven't heard from him since. So he's having his fun, and I'm having my fun, and our uh, rivalry has not been extended to Orlando. Really? It has not been. What would you do? How would you handle if you turn the corner, you're getting off the you know, the uh, big Thunder Railroad, and all of a sudden you see Zach there housing a pretzel right outside right. the entrance? What would you do then? Well, Moose, I'm a, I am a gentleman. You know that. Yes. So um, this would not be the time nor the place for me and Zach to have a showdown. So we would, it would be cordial. Here's my wife. I've met Zach's wife before and his daughter. We, everyone would shake hands and high-five and share war stories, and we'd be good to go. Now, maybe, I'd have a, maybe we'd split a pretzel. Who knows? Well, that's it. I mean, but you know this. Zach would be tough to shake. You know, uh, you know. Uh, that is true. That was my concern. Seeing Zach for a minute was not the issue. It was that having to walk the rest of the day with Zach that I was concerned about. You know what? I'd love to see the video. A nice 90-minute wait for, like, Space Mountain and you and Zach <laughs> next to each other for, like, 90 minutes. You know, I'm trying to Waiting to get on that ride. What that yeah. would be like, that would be, honestly, that would be so entertaining to watch. Yeah, I'm not sure what the most romantic ride down here is, but, you know, they take your picture on everything, so I maybe get an action shot of me and Zach cuddled in some ride just strolling through. It's a small world, maybe, is a good place for me and Zach to have a, have a moment or two. Do they still have the um, the Haunted Mansion ride? There's that one part where you're sitting in your car as you go by a mirror, and there's oh, like yes. a, there's and there's a, a ghost sitting, a ghost sitting you next or, to you. Could you imagine yeah. if you're looking in the mirror and all of a sudden you're in this with your son? Or your daughter, and then Zach Martin sitting next to you also. Oh, jeez. I mean, that could certainly happen. Thank God Zach didn't think of it. <laughs> now, uh, Andrew, what do you guys have? On, what, when do you leave Orlando? How, what do you have on uh, tap today? We, we leave tomorrow morning, so today's our last day, and we just got into uh, Hollywood Studios, which is my favorite park down here. Uh, and the family just ran into Tower of Terror because I am not sturdy enough for that. So I'm outside holding the bag. And they're about to uh, drop however many stories inside Tower of Terror. Now, let me give you a tip. Because you gotta do, uh, your kids might like this. Are they going to do the Jedi training? Um, you know what? The Star Wars thing seems pretty daunting. So I don't know exactly what we're going to do over there just yet. No, because there's the, an area. But I, I'm not talking about Star Wars led. There's Jedi training where you go and basically for a half hour they, they teach you how to use the lightsaber. The fake lightsaber. Right. There's no real lightsaber. I think your kids would enjoy that. I think so, too. It is not currently on the schedule. I don't know if we've missed our chance to sign up, but I'll definitely, uh, I'll definitely check it out. But you know, some ride opened in the Star Wars park here yes, last week, so it's mayhem today because it's only the second week you can do it, and people have been waking up like overnight to sign up for you, a special pass to get on. So it's just that there's an extra level of, like, Star Wars nerdiness going on here right now. Well, enjoy. You know what's great about Hollywood Studios? They serve beer. So enjoy exactly. that later on in the day. Hey, Bogus, enjoy the rest of your vacation. All right, brother? All right, enjoy. Guys, see you Monday. You got it. See you on Monday morning. There you have it. I'm jealous. His kids are, it's not even 9 o'clock in the morning. They're already going in the Tower of Terror. I need to get down there. Oh, it's great. Although I, I agree with his decision to um, step back and not take part in the Tower of Terror. No thanks there. But Now, him and Martin, I, I disagree with that. Tower of Terror, you got to enjoy that. I, I'm, I'm all for going on those. I'm surprised they texted but didn't connect. They texted. Right. And if they connect. went that far, and if they're already if they're Why communicating they while on the same vacation spot, just go the extra mile. 
and make it happen. Heller, good stuff. Thanks, Moose. Have a good weekend. You too. Uh, Bilotti, enjoy your baked chicken and Brussels sprouts. Thank you to Chef Mike for the uh, bacon, egg, and cheeses for the rest of the crew. Uh, Bisegli, a great job as always. Thanks to Gus Farratt Fisher for joining us, you guys on the calls. Have yourself a wonderful weekend, everybody. Have a great Friday. Till Monday, peace. There's got to be a 10-second runoff here. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.